The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. Revelation 5 and verse 5. And it reads, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals thereof. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to, to be here, to stand here and preach your word. Lord, I pray for, first of all, for our pastor and Pam. Lord, I pray for my friend George and the loss of his wife. Pray for everybody, Lord, that takes part in making sure that your word goes out. Pray that you will bless this sermon. Pray that if there's someone who doesn't know you as Savior, that today will be that day when they begin their new life. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before I get into my first point, I'm going to tell you a little bit about lions. This is one of the things that you learn when you work on a sermon. You know, you're forced to learn. You have to learn. And I didn't know many of these things that I, that I learned when I was working on this one. So lions said that a lion can run about 45 to 50 miles an hour. And a man can run anywhere from 8 to 15 miles an hour. <laughs> So you wouldn't be able to run away from a lion. And lions are excellent climbers. They can climb just about anything. So climbing up a tree wouldn't help you. Uh, Lions are excellent swimmers. So jumping in a lake or a river to get away from a lion is hopeless. In other words, if, if a lion goes after you, there is nowhere to run. And to have a five... If you're old, 600-pound lion go after you would be a terrifying experience. I remember when Brother Maungo was here the last time, he was saying that one of the problems that he has when he travels from one area to another is the fear of getting attacked by a lion because he has to sleep in the car while traveling through the jungles to get to another city. And I said, that, that doesn't sound like fun. Um, Again, I don't know what would be more terrifying if someone, having someone pointing a loaded shotgun in your face or trying to get away from a lion. Me, if I had a choice, I would probably take the shotgun. It would be faster. Lions are very confident. They lie down in open spaces to take naps, and they know that nobody's going to mess with them. So without question, the lion is the king of the beast. A male lion can weigh anywhere from 350 to 600 pounds. And most males are about 9 feet long from the nose to the end of the tail. They are about 3.5 feet tall at the shoulders. Male lions are the only cats with mane. This long thick hair covers their head, their neck down to the shoulders, and their chest. And that, it, that provides protection when they fight and also gives them a, a majestic appearance. Now, if God has compared his son to a lion, for sure we can 
make an application here. So we're going to look at a few things in here. By the way, I don't have a PowerPoint. I never do because I notice that when people see the scriptures up, the scriptures up there, some get sleepy, so I don't have a PowerPoint. And Brother Castro told me that if I don't use a PowerPoint to say that I don't have a PowerPoint, but all my points have power. That is true. So anyhow, point number one is the strength of a lion. In Proverbs 30 and verse 30 we read, A lion which is the strongest among beasts and turneth not, and turneth not away. Lions are not afraid of many things. The only thing that I heard that, uh, that, is a, that the lions, lions are very terrified of it is drums. They don't like the sound of a drum. They will run away from someone who has beaten on a drum. Lions are built for strength. They are capable of dragging a 600-plus pound animal after they kill it for a long distance. And the strength of a lion has been the standard by which real strength is judged. Lions are so strong that when a few of them get together, they are capable of bringing down a full-sized giraffe. You know, a male giraffe, full-grown giraffe, can uh, measure anywhere from 18 to 20 feet tall, and they can weigh up to 3,000 pounds, and they are capable of bringing these animals down. When King Saul and his son Jonathan were killed, David lamented over the death of their deaths, and, and in a beautiful poetry, King, King David said this in Second Samuel 1.23. He said, Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives. And in their death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You know, people make the mistake of thinking that the Lord was weak, that the love of Christ and his compassion is a sign of weakness. If you see the pictures they paint of our Lord, he looks like a starving Irish man, very depressed and lowly. You know, that's not the Lord. Consider this in Matthew 21, verses 12 to 13, we read that the Lord Jesus Christ drove the money changers out of the temple and flipped the tables all by himself, and nobody dared to oppose him. In John 7, verse 32, we read that the Pharisees and chief priests sent officers to arrest Jesus and they came back empty-handed because of the words he spoke. We don't know what Jesus spoke or, or what, we don't know what he said to the officers, but the Bible doesn't tell us, but whatever he said to them had to be so incredibly powerful that they, they were absolutely stunned. In John 7, verses 45 to 47, the officers confessed why they didn't arrest him. They said, never a man spake like this, man. In Luke 4, verse 28 to 30, we read that a large crowd was so angry with Jesus that they wanted to throw him off a, off a cliff. But the angry mob didn't dare to put their hands on him. Instead, they stepped aside and Christ went right on through it. If you think about this, think about the strength of the Lord that after he was beaten without mercy, he still had the ability to carry the cross for a while. Yes, lions are very strong. And at the same time, they're not afraid to kill their enemies. 
In Matthew 21, verses 33 to 40, the Lord told a parable accusing the religious people of his time in Israel for the way they had treated the, the prophets that God had sent them. And then he included himself in the parable by saying, in Matthew 21, 38, he said, But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. 39, And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. Verse 40, When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto the, this husbandman? No, that's a good question. What is the Lord going to do to those who abuse his son? And they knew that he was talking about them. On a human level, you know, we, we have laws to punish the wicked and to protect the innocent. When God gave his son, he gave the best. He offered the best. And instead of embracing his gift... They abused him without mercy and stripped him naked and nailed him on a cross. God has no choice but to judge this world. For about 2,000 years now, this world has been rejecting Jesus Christ. And the way things are going, it looks like he's about to return the favor. Like an angry lion, he's going to unleash all his fury and crush his enemies. The attitude of the world hasn't changed, just like it was back in Luke 19 and 14 when they, when they said, we will not have these men to reign over us. That's the same attitude of the world today. And without an apology, the Bible tells us what God is going to do. We know what God has in mind for the world and his enemies. We read in the Bible that says that in Psalm 2, and verse 4 said that God is going to have his enemies in derision. And you say, okay, what is, what is derision? Derision is mocking, laughing, making fun of somebody who desperately needs help. And instead of helping him, you step on him and crush him like a bug. You know, this is a scary sight if you, if you really consider. Here is God making fun of millions of people that he is getting ready to kill. And we know that the world uses phrases like, he who laughs last has the best laugh. You heard that phrase before. And that is true. God himself is going to have the last laugh. In Proverbs 1, verse 26, we read, I also will laugh at you calamity. I will mock when you fear cometh. In Revelation 19 and verse 11, verses 11 to 21, we have a picture of the second coming of Christ. And he's coming in with an army to take care of business. Heaven and earth will finally see one day the strength of the Lord. It would be a good idea for those who reject him to be on his side when that happened. Point number two, we look at the roar of a lion. In Amos 3, in verse 8, we read, The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? The roar of a lion is, com is compared to the voice of God in Revelation 10 and verse 3. 
In Hosea 11, in verse 10, we read, They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. When he shall, when he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. Now, the roar of a lion has more than one function. This is one of the things that I learned. It said that when a, mother, when a mother calls her cubs to come and eat, she makes that soft moaning sound. It's kind of like a roar, but a very gentle intensity. That's how she calls her babies to come and eat. But when a full-grown angry male lion roars, he strikes fear on any, on any animal within the sound of the roar. In Psalm 104, in verse 21, we read, The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. When a member of, a, of the pride or family is looking for others, they roar with a very loud roar, and then they listen for an answer from their compadres, I guess you will say. Lions usually live in, and travel in family groups that they're, call, they're called prides. There may be as few as four or six in a family group or as many as 30 or more in a pride or a family group. Lions are the only cats that have this family unit. And they're the only cats that care for each other. For those of you who have cats, you know that they're selfish. They want to take over everything. And they don't, they don't care about nobody but themselves. But lions are not like that. This, I thought it was very interesting. Listen to this. Each pride has a group. Each pride or family group, I'm sorry, has one male that is at the top. And he allows a few males to share the responsibility of protecting the females and their babies. Most of the hunting is done by the females. The male lions do very little hunting but they provide protection for the family group. This, is a, this family setup is an illustration of the local church. And although some, some of the members of the pride may roam around, they may go out for a long distance, but they always come back and they confine themselves to a local territory. Now, God's idea of the local church has never been in the thousands of members or in enormous buildings. Now, we're not in opposition to mega churches if they're preaching the truth. But a pastor of a mega church can never get to know all the members and understand their needs. It's just impossible. The relationship between the pastor and the members of the local church is that of a loving family. Your pastor is always busy preparing food for your, for your spiritual nourishment. Keep in mind that working on sermons is time-consuming and mentally exhausting. Those of you who, who do that, you know that. And if your pastor has to worry about how he's going to provide for his family... He will not be able to provide for the needs of the local church. Now remember that your pastor is just another member of the church. 
just like you need a roof over your head, food, transportation, medical care, so that's your pastor. This is a principle that is found in the Old Testament. God says that the ox has the right to eat while he is working. Pastors are compared to oxen laboring for the Lord or shepherds watching over the sheep that belongs to God. In Deuteronomy 25 and verse 4 we read, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. Paul in the, Old, in the New Testament reemphasizes this principle by saying that those who labor in the gospel have the right to eat and be compensated. I don't have a problem paying our pastor if he's feeding my soul. Not at all. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 9 we read, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that tradeth out the corn. Doth God care for oxen? Yeah, he does. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17 we read, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that tradeth out the corn, and the laborer is worth it of his reward. You know, your, your pastor is the biggest target that Satan has in the local church. And if he's going to endure all the attacks of the enemy, we, the congregation, should keep him in constant prayer all the time. And he should be bold and ready to preach, bold as a lion. Point number three, Pride members are very affectionate among themselves. He says that when they, when they get together, when they find each other, they rub their faces, they play, and they hunt, they rest, and they do all this together. They look after themselves all as a family unit. But strangers or members of neighboring tribes are not usually accepted. That's when fights break out, and they will, it's very rare for a tribe to accept another member of another tribe. This is the separation that we must keep from the world. As a child of God, you have no business getting tangled up with the unsaved. Because when you do that, you're compromising. Satan and his minions should never have anything to do with you. We should never make deals with the devil and his children. We're supposed to win them, not only by telling them about the Lord, but with our example. You know, the way you walk, the way you live your life, tells the world who you are. And the world is not supposed to have an ability to draw you away from Christ. Next we read that lions never kill just for the fun of killing. They only kill when they have to kill to eat. And a lion never eats everything when he kills. When a lion kills something, there's always something left for the scavengers. This is interesting because most of the world has no idea that God is so good to unworthy sinners. And just like we receive blessings from Christ, the unsaved receives the sunshine and the rain just like the same people do. The blessings of God flow 
to, un to the ungrateful bystanders. The sun always shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. Number four, lions have been used in instruments of judgment. And for this one, I'm going to have you turn to your Bible. There have been many occasions when God has used lions as instruments of judgment. And for that, we go on to 2 Kings 17. Like I said, I don't have a PowerPoint, so I'm, I'm going to have you look this one up. 2 Kings 17, we read, And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sephorabim, something like that, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling that, that, they, that they feared not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore, they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which that has removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore, he hath sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. So here's the background. And the reason why God decided to send lions to these people. The king, the king of Assyria had taken the ten northern tribes of Israel away captive. And he brought foreigners from five different heathen nations that he had conquered and placed them in the land of Israel. And God said, I don't like that. And to show you that I don't like that, I'm sending you a few big cats. And they kill people. These were pagan nations, pagan people, idolaters, who got involved in satanic rituals, offering their children as human sacrifices to false deities. And God said, I don't like that, and I won't let you do that in my land. So when the king of Assyria learned what was going on, he said, go and get a priest from among the captives and bring him here so he can teach the people, these people, how to worship the one true God. Next we read about the young prophet who disobeyed God. And for that one we go to 1 Kings 13 and verse 15. There we read, Then he said unto him, Come with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee or go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt not eat bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. But he but he said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee unto thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied. It's a lying prophet there. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his, in his house and drank water. Verse 20. 
And it came to pass, as he sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried out, and he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy fathers. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the ass to wait for the prophet whom he had brought him brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way, and, uh, and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. This guy had specific instructions from God, and he disobeyed. So God said, okay, you're not going to listen to me. I'm going to send you a lion. And this little cat is not coming to play with you. And the last one is the man who ignored the prophet. And on this one you go forward a few pages to 1 Kings 20, verse 35. First Kings 20, verse 35, and they will read, And a certain man of the sons of the prophets said unto his neighbor, In the name of the Lord, in the word of the Lord, smite me, I pray thee. And the man refused to smite him. Then said he unto him, Because thou hast not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as thou art departed from me, a lion shall slay thee. And as soon as he was departed from him, a lion found him and slew him. I thought this was interesting, you know. Why would somebody walk up to another guy and say, hey, smack me, kids. I want you to smack me. And if you don't smack me, a lion's going to eat you. <laughs> I thought that was weird. So, Read the entire chapter. And if you don't get it the first time, read it again. And if you still don't get it, read it on a commentary. It'll become abundantly clear why. He wanted somebody to smack him. So if you ever walk up on the streets and you find somebody asking you to slap him around, go ahead and do it. Who knows? A lion may come out of the bushes and kill you. Moving on. Male lions, after they kill, they usually rip the carcass and begin to eat from the inside out. When a lion is, I'm sorry, when a sinner is convicted, the first thing that happens to, to you is you have a change of heart. That happens to every believer, every new believer. That's the first thing that happens. You have a change of heart. The gospel of Jesus Christ will tear you apart. And this is why when, every now and then we get visitors who have never been exposed to the truth. And they get up and go away angry, thinking that whoever's preaching is attacking them. If we've never seen these people, we don't know who they are. You know, you never prepare a sermon with the intention to offend somebody. You just prepare a sermon and preach. I always tell my wife, you know, what can I say? I'm going to prepare it. I'm going to preach it and let her rip. Whatever happens, happens. 
Psalm 7, in verse 2 says, Lest he tear you, lest, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rendering in pieces while there is none to deliver. Lions are known for their powerful teeth. They don't have teeth so they can chew their food. They don't chew it. They just rip it and swallow big chunks of meat. In Joel 1, 1 and verse 6 we read, For a nation is come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. In your Bible, the devil is compared to a lion, but he is no match to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the days we're living in right now, the children of God, we must be strong to be able to stand what is going on around us. This world is, is getting sicker and sicker by the day, and unless you have your foot set on solid ground, you're not going to be able to stand. I always tell people, you know, read your Bible, study your Bible, memorize your Bible, share your Bible, tell people about the Bible, apply it in your daily activities. Because like Matthew was saying a little while ago, there is comfort in knowing that God is in control. And this world is not going to be destroyed by wicked men. God is going to destroy it. But before that happens, he's going to get us out of here. You can bet on that. Don't bet. You can count on that. <laughs> We're not alone. God is faithful. And he will provide what you need when the time comes. He's never late. He's always on time. Proverbs, 8, uh, Proverbs 28 and verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. You know, it takes courage. And I guess you got to be a little bit nuts when you walk up to a bunch of homosexuals and you preach to them. We had an experience that I'm going to tell you in a little while this, this weekend, my daughter and I down in L.A. He was, it was <laughs> I guess it was a beautiful thing. But moving on, about 2,500 years, about 2,700 years ago, the prophet Nahum had this question. He said, uh, Nahum 2:11. He says, "Where is the, where is the dwelling of the lions, and the feeding place of the young lions, where the lion, even the old lion, walked, and the lions whelp, and none made them afraid." You can't lock yourself in a house because the world is falling apart. You have to face it. Christianity today has a lot more pussycats than lions. Pastors and pulpits are afraid to preach against the issues of our times because they are afraid of offending somebody in the congregation or somebody in the community. You know, as our society continues to fall apart, locking ourselves in a house is not an option. Elijah the Tishbite, we read that he was not afraid to stick his finger in, the, in King Ahab's face and tell him that the land was in trouble because of him, the king. And he went on to say that dogs will eat his wife, Jezebel. You gotta say that's brave. Because that king all he had to do is snap his fingers and go kill him and they would do it. 
The Old Testament prophets understood that in order to serve God, they had to stick their necks out. Many of us don't do that. And many of them were put to death. In Hebrews chapter 11, and this is the, the, the chapter of the heroes of the faith, and this chapter talks about the cruelty that many people endured in the Old Testament for their faith. And in verse 37, there is a reference to people who were sawn asunder. That's people that were cut in half with a sow. Many Bible commentators believe that this reference is to the prophet Isaiah. They claim that he was cut in half with a wooden saw under the reign of King Manasseh, king of Judah. It's unconfirmed, but many Bible commentators say that. John the Baptist got his head cut off because he wouldn't shut up and stop telling the politicians of his time that what they were doing was wrong and immoral. You know, the ruling class has never cared for those who take the stand against that which is evil. But the Lord said in Luke seven twenty eight that of those born of women, there has never been one greater than John the Baptist. You know, what a great compliment that is. You mean better than Moses? Better than Abraham? Better than Isaiah? Better than Paul? You know, someday I'm going to be embarrassed to stand shoulder to shoulder with some of these people in heaven because I, I haven't done any of the things that these people did. And yeah, I'm going to heaven somehow. By the grace of God, I'm going to be there. And I don't think I'll be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with these people. I'll be ashamed. Wouldn't you like to hear something nice from the Lord? Have him pat you on the head and say, good boy, you did good. The greatest Christian that ever walked on the face of this earth got his head cut off simply because he wouldn't stop proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Paul is responsible for writing, I think it's more than half of the New Testament. You know, our society has lost their mind, and they don't care about you. They don't care about your Bible. They don't care about your family values. They don't care about your children. They don't care that you're working hard to keep your children away from that which is wicked and evil. This world system doesn't care that our communities are falling apart and that which will save people is now considered hate crime. You can't, you can't talk about these things in public. They parade their sick lifestyles on the streets and if you disagree with them, you're labeled as a hate monger. This week, I, uh, I spent it in L.A. I took my daughter down to Universal Studios and Six Flags, and we just wanted to get away, spend time with her, and talk about different things, and have a great time. We, we love theme parks, and that's our thing. So, 
one of the things I do when I go to a place like that is I take a bunch of tracks with me, and while I'm waiting in line to get on a ride, I witness to people. This time, we were in line on Thursday afternoon, and there were two couples, two homosexuals and two lesbians behind us, talking trash like a bunch of drunken sailors. And usually I don't put up with it. I put an end to it very quickly, but I really wanted to witness to these people, so I was biting my tongue the whole time. And finally, I started off by giving them a track to every one of them. And I watched them, and they read it right there in front of me. And then they, they shut up and put their heads down, and they wouldn't say a word, nothing. You know, like somebody put a blanket over their heads, and they didn't say a thing. So I waited a, a minute, and then I went to one of the guys, and I asked him, you know, what do you think about that track? He just nodded his head, didn't say a thing. And I proceeded to witness to them. And then one of the ladies, she lifted her head and she looked at me square in the face and she said, you know what's so scary about these things that you're talking about right now? And I'm thinking, I I strike that, a soft nerve here. I don't know what's going to happen. So (laughs) I said, no, what is it? She goes, the thing that is so scary for me to hear you say is that, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are Christian. They took me to Sunday school every, every week. And all these things you're saying, I know them. And then she said, I'm involved in this lifestyle that I know is wrong. And I don't know how to get out. We will never win these people to the Lord if we attack them. We'll never win one of them. At the same time, we cannot drop our guard down and say that we embrace what they're doing. Sin is sin and it has to be confronted. At the same time, these are people who have a a mother, a father, a grandfather, a grandmother, somewhere praying for them because they are lost and on their way to hell. And many of them know that. And they're so caught up in what they're doing, and they're so far into it that they don't know how to get out. And that's devastating. You see these young people mutilating themselves, cutting their body parts, trying to become something that, something that they are not. Eventually, at some point, reality is going to set in. And they try to mask it with drugs, alcohol. And many of them will commit suicide. Because once you have gone that path, there is no turning back. It's very difficult. But honestly... Can you think of anything more insane than for a man pretending to be a woman or a woman pretending to be a man? I can't think of anything more insane than that. And I don't care how much you cut away from you. 
or how much you add to your body, you will never be other than what God made you. That's what you are. And the fact that you reject it tells us that you're unhappy with God and the way that he has made you. I learned, the one thing that I learned is by talking to these people is that there is a way to witness to these people. At the same time, you have to be sensitive in the way you approach them and you have to be ready because I never had an experience like this. I did it one time in San Francisco many years ago. I went to a, a deli to get lunch and I was surrounded by homosexuals and lesbians there, you know, and I, and I always carry a pack of tracks with me. I'm thinking, I gotta witness to these people, but how do I do it without getting lynched? <laughs> so I waited for them to prepare my lunch, and after I grabbed it, I'm heading out the door, and I'm thinking, I have to do this, and I turn around and say, hey everybody! <laughs> Here's a track, read it when you get a chance, and I give one to every one of them, and I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I didn't. I didn't wait to see what what would happen. I said, <laughs> "There are too many of them. They'll kill me here." So I just get out. Of it. So I left. But I never had. I never had one say to me, "I know what you're saying, and I don't know how to get out of it because I'm so deep into this, and now that I know these things, fear is gripping me because I know." That what I'm doing is wrong. Anyway, we need the Lord to come and we need him to come quickly. And like I said, the only way you're going to be able to stand is one, to be a little nuts and be brave. And only those of us who have trusted Christ and spent time in the book can see what's coming. There's a wave of darkness coming over this world. And some of us, maybe all of us, those of us who are over 50 years old may not see it, but I'm afraid that some of our young children will have to endure it. And who knows if the Lord delays. I really don't know what the future looks like. Our young people have a very, very difficult time in the near future. You know, school teachers are having a a heyday. They they don't know how to handle these children. You know, it, it all begins at home. You know, as a parent, if you don't watch what your children are doing, eventually, you know, you're going to go visit them at the local cemetery or in prison. But we can't stop doing this. I am confident that I will see the Lord one day. And I am confident that those of us who are truly born again will be faithful to the Lord. The Lord will make provision for what we need if we remain faithful. And I know that I'll, I'll, I'll live long enough to see that day. If I don't live it to see it in my flesh, he'll bring me back from the dead, and I'll see it then. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray that whatever I have said, that you will have an effect on somebody, Lord. I pray for those who don't know you as Savior, Lord, for those who are involved in Lifestyles that are not pleasing to you, Lord, pray that you will somehow send somebody that will have the heart to to tell them the reality of hell. Lord, I pray for our pastor and Pam. 
pray that you will give him strength. I pray, Lord, for our missionaries overseas that you will give them good, good fruit for their labor, Lord. And we pray that everything we do, Lord, will be glorifying to you. And I ask on this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Roner Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.